Okay, today we are starting a brand new message series on overcoming sin and temptation. This is a series I've been wanting to do for some time, and uh, the Lord just opened things for this to be the time for us to look at this together. You know, we want to grow as Christians, right? We want to grow, but we often find ourselves falling into the same sins over and over again. And we read about victory in the Bible. We sing about victory in Jesus. We sing about it in church. And we wonder, will I ever experience that victory in my own life? And then we look at each other. We look at other Christians, other people in church. And we wonder, do they ever struggle with the same things? Okay, spoiler alert here. Yes, they do. Okay? We all do. We all struggle with sin. And we will continue to struggle until Jesus comes back. Or the Lord brings us home. But that does not mean that we cannot make progress along the way. And that's what this series is all about. How do we overcome sin and temptation in our own lives? How do you grow as a Christian and begin to experience victory instead of defeat? We're going to be looking. Oh, someone just gave me a fist pump back there. I love that. Thank you. That keeps me going too. We're, we're, we're pumped for this. We're going to be looking at this issue in three stages, three weeks. This week, we will talk about taking care of the basics. That's today. Next week, we're going to talk about preparing for battle. And then in the third and final week, we will talk about what do you do in the moment of conflict. So that's the titles of the three messages in our series, taking care of the basics, Preparing for battle and the moment of conflict. Let's take a moment and pray over this whole series and ask for God's help with this. Dear Lord, we are excited uh, to be learning more about how we can grow as a Christian and how we can come to know this victory uh, that you speak about in your word, that you promise us in your word, that you teach us about in your word. And so, Lord, this week and next week and the following, I pray, Lord, that we would just learn and, and hear and gather all of the tools and resources that you've given to us so that we might come to know victory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, today we're talking about taking care of the basics, okay? If you want to overcome sin and temptation in your life, the first thing you need to do is you've got to take care of the basics, Right? And this is an essential first step. Because if you don't take care of the basics in your Christian life first, then the rest of these steps probably aren't going to help you a whole lot at all. So what are the basics when it comes to overcoming sin and temptation? We're going to look at three of them today. Here we go. Ready? You need to get saved. You need to get the Spirit. And you need to get strong. Get saved, get the Spirit, get strong. There's an outline in your worship guide. It has all three of those plus some other notes there and space for you to add notes of your own if you'd like to take that out to follow along. But here we go now. First of all, you need to get saved, okay? You cannot overcome sin and temptation in your life unless you are saved. Why? Because until you are saved... You're still a slave. Okay, I'll say that again. Until you're saved, you're still a slave. And a slave is not free to overcome anything. Before we are saved, we are slaves to three areas. 
The Bible says we are slaves to Satan, sin, and self. So we're going to take a look at all three of these together. First, before we are saved, we are slaves to Satan. You may not feel like you're a slave to Satan. You may feel like you're a free person. But before we're saved, we are slaves to Satan. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, God told Paul. So Paul, I'm sending you to those who do not believe so that you may turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Before you were saved, you were under the power of Satan rather than God. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who is the ruler of the air, the ruler of this world? Satan is the ruler. And before you were saved, you were under his domain. Before we're saved, we are slaves to Satan. But then we are also slaves to sin. The Bible says we're born into this world with a sin nature that makes it natural for us to sin. In other words, sin is our default mode, okay? And until we are saved, we are slaves to sin's power in our lives. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22 says this, The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. In other words, sin is bondage. And our sinful deeds ensnare us, and they hold us fast and firm in their grip. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 6. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And as Christians, we all struggle, right, with these sinful uh, habits or patterns in our lives that we just can't seem to break free from. And that's part of what this series is all about. How do we learn to break free from those patterns? But before we're saved, we can't break away because we are still slaves to sin. And then if that wasn't bad enough, we're also slaves to self. Slaves to self. We just looked at Romans chapter 6. Now we turn to Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, Paul details his struggle with sin. He tells us how he, how he doesn't do the things he wants to do, and he does do the things he doesn't want to do. And finally, he cries out in Romans 7, verse 25. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Do you ever echo that, that same cry in your life? Who's going to rescue me? Who will save me from this body of death? Who will save me from myself? We read in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Folks, that's us. Before we were saved, we were enslaved by all sorts of foolish and harmful desires. We are slaves to ourselves until God saves us and sets us free. So that's the first basic you need to take care of. You need to get saved because why? Until you are saved, you're still a slave. But when you put your trust in Jesus, Jesus saves you. God saves you and he sets you free from the power of Satan, sin, and self. You are a new person in Christ. You've been given new freedom in Christ to overcome sin and temptation in your life. That's the first basic you need to take care of. You need to get saved. And then secondly, you need to get the Spirit. Now, I love this. It's not that Jesus saves you. Okay, Jesus saves me, and okay, now it's all up to me. Okay, now I'm all on my own trying to, to battle sin and temptation. You can never have victory over sin and temptation on your own. And God doesn't leave you alone to do it. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome sin and temptation. And there are three things the Bible tells us here. You need to receive the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And you need to walk in the Spirit. Let's talk about all three of those and what those mean. First, you need to receive the Spirit. And this happens when you first put your trust in Jesus as Savior. This is how you become born again. You receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes you a new person in Christ. Jesus says this in John chapter 3. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, the good news here is this, okay? The good news is you automatically receive the Spirit when you're saved. When you're saved, you receive the Spirit of God. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Paul says, you are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Real simple equation here. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. If you do have the Spirit, you do belong to Jesus. In other words, you can't get saved without getting the Spirit, and you can't get the Spirit without getting saved. It's a two-for-one special, folks, okay? The two go together. You don't get one without the other. 
every person who believes in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit into their lives. So that's what you do. First, you receive the Spirit. But if you want to overcome sin and temptation in your life, it is not enough simply to receive the Spirit. You also need to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit in Scripture relates to an increase in power, joy, boldness, zeal, and love in your life. That's what the filling of the Spirit does for you. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you. You receive the Spirit by faith when you receive Jesus by faith. But unless you are filled with the Spirit, folks, the Holy Spirit at that point, it's like an unopened gift, right? You might have the most wonderful gift that someone gives you. It's sitting there under the tree, and you pick it up, and you, like, shake it. It's like, oh, this is great. It might be the most wonderful thing, but if you never open the gift, it's not going to do you any good. When you receive the Spirit, but you're not filled with the Spirit, it's like an unopened gift from God. You receive the Spirit once, okay? When you are saved, you receive the Spirit once. But you are filled with the Spirit multiple times, many times throughout your life. For example, we read in Acts chapter 13, verse 52. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples had already received the Spirit earlier, right? But now we learn that there were times when they were filled with the Spirit as well. Paul says this in Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here, being filled with the Spirit is contrasted with being filled with wine. And why is that? Well, when you're drunk on wine, you're controlled by the wine. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Spirit. And the way Paul phrases this in the original language indicates that we should be continuously filled with the Spirit. In other words, this is an ongoing process throughout your entire life as a Christian. And so you might ask, well, how do I do it? How am I filled with the Spirit? You ask. You ask. Ask God every day to fill you with the Spirit, to guide and control your life by His Spirit, to fill you with power, joy, boldness, zeal, and love through the Holy Spirit as you seek to overcome sin and temptation in your life. So you need to receive the Spirit in your life. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And then thirdly, you need to walk in the Spirit. People sometimes wonder, what's the difference between being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit is passive. Notice you don't fill yourself, right? You are filled. You yield yourself to God. God fills you with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is passive. Walking in the Spirit is active. Being filled with the Spirit is something God does for you. Walking in the Spirit is something you do for God. You intentionally draw upon the Spirit's power throughout the day to fight against sin and temptation. When you're faced with a choice, you choose to walk according to the Spirit rather than according to Satan, sin, or self. 
We read those verses from Galatians 5 earlier, verses 16 through 18, where Paul says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Some translations there have, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Remember how Paul struggled with sin and self, not doing what he wanted, doing what he didn't want? Well, the book of Galatians here tells us the solution to this struggle is what? It's the Spirit of God, walking by the Spirit. Actually, we find the exact same solution in the book of Romans. Here's a handy little guide for you. Romans chapter 6 talks about sin. Romans chapter 7 talks about struggle. Romans chapter 8 talks about the Spirit. Sin, struggle, Spirit. The Spirit is the solution to the struggle with sin. Paul writes in Galatians 5.25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I like that. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Depend on the Spirit. Lean on the Holy Spirit of God every step of the way. So this is our second basic. You cannot fight sin without the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to receive the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit. Okay. We're going through all bases. We've done the first two now, right? How do you overcome sin and temptation in your life? First, you need to get saved. Then you need to get the Spirit. Now we come to number three. You need to get strong. Strong. When you are first saved, you are not only a new person in Christ. That's a wonderful thing. You're a new person in Christ, but you're not just a new person. You're a baby. You don't start out as an adult. You're a baby in Christ. You're just getting started. And just like a new baby will never be able to stand up to the rigors of life unless they are strengthened and nurtured, you will never be able to overcome sin and temptation in your life unless you grow. Grow as a Christian. So how do you do it? How do you grow strong? Four main ways we're going to look at now in closing. And you've heard these all before, but they're, they're the basics. We're taking care of the basics. The Bible, prayer, fellowship, and witness. Bible, prayer, fellowship, and witness. Let's do this now. First, you need the Bible. You need God's Word. You will never grow strong as a Christian without the Word of God in your life. And the Bible is like food or nourishment for your soul. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This pure spiritual milk in this verse, it refers to God's word. And just like a newborn baby needs milk to grow, you need the milk of God's word to grow. And then even as you grow as a Christian, you still need to feed on God's word every day. You remember what Jesus said when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? Satan said, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus responded by quoting scripture. He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
What happens to you physically if you skip a meal or two or five? You begin to get weak, right? Well, just like you need your daily food or bread to make it physically through the day, you need the solid bread and meat of God's Word to help you make it spiritually through the day. The Bible is like food and nourishment, and you need to feed on God's Word every day if you're going to grow strong as a Christian. Put it into your schedule. Put it into your planner. Schedule it out. Find that time when you can open God's Word and be fed. And then secondly, you need prayer. And if the Bible is like food, prayer is like oxygen, okay? You can't go long in this world without eating, and you certainly can't go very long without breathing. You need to pray every day to grow strong as a Christian. We read about Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, where he prayed. Prayer was Jesus' lifeline to the Father. And if Jesus felt he couldn't start his day without prayer, why would we think we can start our day without prayer? But you see, it's not enough simply to start the day with prayer. That's sort of like taking a deep breath and then trying to hold it for the rest of the day. Yeah, that doesn't work that way, does it? We need to be praying throughout the day. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, be joyful always, pray continually, breathe continually. Good advice for life, physically, right? Keep breathing, okay? Keep doing that. Same thing with prayer. Keep praying. Pray continually without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like Jesus, begin your day with prayer. Do that, but don't stop there. Keep praying throughout the day. Prayer should be as natural and continuous as breathing. Prayer is your lifeline to heaven. You no longer belong to this world. You are in the world, right, but not of the world. You're like a scuba diver deep under the water with a breathing line running to the surface. The diver doesn't belong there, and he knows it. But as long as he keeps that lifeline going, he's going to be safe. Prayer is like oxygen, and you need to pray every day if you're going to grow strong as a Christian. Okay, we got two more here. Thirdly, you need Christian fellowship. Fellowship is like shelter. You know, a baby left on its own in the woods is not going to survive for long, is it? We need each other in the body of Christ to stay strong and keep safe from the enemy. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other, folks. We need each other to stay strong. 
The story's told about a pastor who went to visit a man in the village who had stopped coming to church. And the man invited him in. It was kind of a cold and blustery day, so the pastor took a seat by the fireplace. The pastor asked the man, why, why aren't you coming to church anymore? And the man responded, he said, well, I, I, I don't really need church. I, I can worship God just fine here by myself in my home. The pastor didn't argue with the man. Instead, he simply bent over the fire in the fireplace, with that little iron rod, and began separating the logs in the fire. The fire began to die down, and the house grew cold. Then the pastor pushed the logs back together again, and the fire sprang to life. The pastor didn't say a word. The meaning was clear, and the man was back in church the following Sunday. You see, fellowship is like shelter. And you need regular Christian fellowship if you're going to grow strong as a Christian. And fourthly and finally, you need to witness to other people about your faith. And witnessing is like exercise, okay, right? Without exercise, what happens? We grow weak and flabby. And it's the same way with your Christian faith. When you are not active in sharing your faith, your faith can grow weak and stale. Paul writes this in Philemon, verse 6. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Isn't that marvelous? When, when you are actively sharing your faith with others, you grow in your understanding of every good thing God has done for you in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so we should always be looking for that opportunity to share Christ with others. We should always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you about your hope, your hope in Christ. The person who never shares their faith is like a lake without an outlet. You know why we call the Dead Sea the Dead Sea? because it doesn't have an outlet. It's got water pouring into it, but nothing goes out. And the water escapes only by evaporation. When you have spiritual things flowing into you, but you never share those things with others, you become like the Dead Sea. You become spiritually dry and sterile. But when you share your faith, you are strengthened in your faith and you grow in your faith. Witnessing is like exercise. And you need to be active in sharing your faith if you want to grow as a Christian. So folks, those are, those are it. Those are the basics of the Christian life. And as with so many things in life, you need to take care of the basics before you can move on to maturity. If you're not saved, you're still a slave to Satan, sin, and self. You cannot overcome sin and temptation on your own, so you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit's help. And you need to grow strong. A Christian who does not grow spiritually is like a baby 
who does not grow physically, and you will never overcome sin and temptation if you remain a baby in Christ. As we close this morning, let me just ask you several questions. First of all, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior? Because if not, you need to do that. You need to get saved. That's the very first step. It comes before anything else. Get saved. Question number two. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Because if not, you need to get the Spirit. Remember, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the Spirit. If you do have Jesus, then you do have the Spirit. But are you filled with the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? It's not enough just to have the Spirit in your life, but you need to draw on the Spirit's power day by day. And then finally, question number three. Are you reading your Bible, praying, engaging in Christian fellowship, and sharing your faith on a regular basis? Because if you're not doing those things, then you are growing weaker as a Christian, not stronger. And perhaps you need to make some new commitments to God today in each of these areas so that you can grow strong in your faith and begin to gain the victory over sin and temptation in your life. If you want to overcome sin and temptation, first you've got to take care of the basics. You need to get saved. You need to get the Spirit. And you need to get strong. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. It makes things so clear for us. And Lord, I pray as we've looked at these Uh, various areas of our Christian life, very basic areas, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that if we've let ourselves slide in any of these areas, that we would understand how important it is to shore the base up again and to take care of these basics. And Lord, if there's anybody here who does not know you, if they've never prayed to receive you as their Savior, I pray today would be the day. Lord, I pray that they would just reach out to you and say, Dear God, I'm a slave to Satan, sin, and self. I need to be set free. Lord Jesus, will you save me? Will you give me your Holy Spirit? Will you help me to grow strong? If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, pray those words to him today, and you will be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.